Today, we're continuing with four more practical ways to receive God's guidance to make wise decisions. This message is the seventh in the series, Wiser. The message is entitled, Wisdom to Guide Your Decisions, Part 3. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to the Word of God this morning. We're involved in a series of messages entitled Wiser, and I want to talk to you, continue to talk to you this weekend about wisdom to guide your decisions. This is part three of this particular message, and uh, it's important that I think you go back and get some of the lead-up lead lessons to this one. They're all available for you uh, free of charge online at church-redeemer.org. You can download all the messages free for you, and hopefully that can catch you up if you've missed any of these in the series. This year, 2018, we started out in January with this theme of wisdom. How can we gain wisdom for the year? How can we become wiser people? Because I believe that God wants you to be wiser. The Scripture is very clear that of all of our gettings, we ought to get wisdom. Wisdom is a very valuable thing in life. Now, the Bible teaches that us that wisdom involves a variety of things. It's a very comprehensive term in Scripture, and so I've given you a definition of wisdom that we've been using together. I'm going to draw your attention back to that again this morning. It's going to be on the screen. I would encourage you, invite you to read it together with me aloud and loudly from all of our campuses. Let's read, Wisdom is together the accumulation and possession of knowledge, truth, guiding principles, moral precepts right values, proper priorities, good sense, and prudent judgment from God's perspective, and the ability to practically apply these to everyday life and decisions. Now, keep that on the screen for a moment. Let me review it with you. What is wisdom? What does the Bible teach us that wisdom is? Wisdom is the accumulation that is over time, you're gathering this to your life, and then possessing it becomes yours, knowledge and truth, guiding principles, moral precepts, right values, proper priorities, good sense, prudent judgment from God's perspective, not from man's perspective, but from God's perspective. We've studied as a part of this series that there's a wisdom of man and there's a wisdom of God. God's wisdom is high above the wisdom of man, and so we want the wisdom of God. And then to know how to take all of that and to practically apply it in your life every day as you're making decisions, as you're living life, as you're doing life, you want to know what does God say about how I am to live. And one place where wisdom is desperately needed is in our decision-making. You and I need wisdom when it comes to making decisions because many of our decisions will lead you down a pathway in life. Your decisions will be a crossroad for you and it will affect who and what you become a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now. Your decisions, many of them really do matter. And so we need to learn how to have wisdom when we're making life choices. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. There we see the promise that God wants to direct your paths, but there's some things that we must do. There's a responsibility that we have in the process. We've been talking about what is our responsibility when it comes to receiving wisdom from God as it relates to our decision-making, the choices that come our way. We talked about last week, starting with yes, that before 
before God even speaks to us, our answer to God is yes. We're not going to fight with God. Even before we know what God is asking us to do or what His will is, our response to God is always a starting point of yes. We talked about consulting the life manual, how you and I need to become very familiar with the Bible because the Bible is your guidebook. The Bible will tell you what is right and what is wrong, what to do in many situations. There are precepts or laws in the pages of Scripture. There are principles in the pages of Scripture. There are promises in the pages of God's Word that will guide your life. And so you can't benefit from them unless you know them. And then we talked about getting right information, how you and I need to gather the information necessary to make good decisions. Today I'm going to talk to you about four more important guiding points for your life. Four more things that you you must do, I must do, if we're going to be guided by God in our decisions. The first thing today is you and I must learn to do the heart work. We must learn to do the heart work. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, that, that we are to guard our heart with all diligence because out of our heart flows all the issues of our life. And so your heart is extremely important because you make decisions from your heart. Every choice you make is going to, it depends upon what's going on in your heart, what your heart condition is. And anytime you get ready to make a decision, a big decision in life, whatever it might be, there are different things that will pull on the strings of your heart. There are different things that will play around with or influence your heart. So you're going to make a decision based upon what's influencing your heart. Let me give you four things that pull on the strings of your heart when it comes to decision making. The first thing would be people. Have you ever had a situation before that you were trying to make a right decision about something and there were people pulling you in a particular direction? And so they were playing on your heartstrings, you ought to do this, and you ought to do that, and you should do the other thing. And so you've got the voices of people around you pulling on your heart when it comes to decision making. Now, if those people are good people, and they're wise people, and helpful people, and people that love you, it can be a very valuable thing. But sometimes these people are people that are maybe speaking things into our life that are not exactly what God's will or purpose is. Many times even we can have this problem of wanting to please the wrong people. And so because we're trying to please people, that comes into affecting how we, how we go about processing decisions in our life. There are many people that have made bad decisions all because we were trying to please somebody. They really didn't need to be pleased in the first place. And so there are people influences that come our way. And so when you get ready to make a decision, the first thing you do is the heart work. And I ask myself this question, what people am I allowing to influence this decision? Are those people the right people to influence this decision? Do I need to not concern myself with what the people are saying to me regarding this decision? But don't be very aware and don't let the wrong people pull the heartstrings when you're making decisions in life. The second thing that can affect you very powerfully when it comes to your decision-making and your heart would be your motives. It's the why that you're wanting to do something. I've learned over the years and I'm reminded of frequently that we can all talk ourselves into anything we want to do just by our own conversations with ourselves. 
If you really want to do something, you'll talk yourself into it. If you really want to buy something, you'll talk yourself into it. If you really want to engage in some relationship, you'll talk yourself into it. And so it's extremely important that we look at the motives of our life, the why. Why am I wanting to do this? Because your motives will put pressure on your heart. And your motives oftentimes can be unwise motives. Sometimes they can even be wrong motives. If your motives are pride or lust, let's say, or let's say they're materialistic in your view and these are the reasons you're making decisions. If you're looking for power or prestige or position and a decision you're trying to make, these motives can weigh heavily upon you and tug you and pull you off course where you don't need to be or where you don't need to go. And so doing the heart work means that I'm looking at the people that may be influencing me. I'm looking at my motives. Take a look with me, if you will, at Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 2. The Bible says that we can justify our every deed... How true that is, isn't it? But God looks at our motives. Notice Proverbs 16, verse 2. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by who? By God. Proverbs 16, 18 says pride, that's a motive, something that's driving people. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit, that's a wrong set of motives, will lead you to a fall. So your wrong motives can lead you to wrong decisions. Do the heart work. The third thing that can affect us when it comes to making decisions would be the emotions that are going on in our heart. Those are your feelings. What you're feeling on the inside about something, what you're, what you're liking or disliking about something. It's the emotional dimension. And emotional, emotions are very powerful forces. They play into your decisions often. They can be emotions, for example, of hurt. Let's say you're carrying around a hurt inside of you. That hurt can filter into your decision-making skill, decision-making processes, and out of the hurt, you can make a bad decision. There are people here today that you can say, yep, I know what you're talking about. There was a time I made a decision in my life, and the reason I made it was because I'd been hurt by somebody in the past, and so it influenced the decision I made in this situation. I wish I would have dealt with my hurt so I could have had a better and clearer perspective of how to deal with new situations along the way. It can be, it can be fear. I think all of us here have had times that we would have made different decisions in different situations had it not been for this ugly thing called fear. Fear gets in the way. I would have done that, but I was afraid. I would have stepped in that direction, but I was afraid. I would have made that choice, but I was, I was afraid. And so it's an emotion that's actually playing on your heart and call, uh, having an influence there. And the final thing that I will share with you would be what I would call, I'm going to get, give you just one word here, it's the word pressures. These play on your heart, the pressures of circumstances that you're going through. And so often in life when we're going through pressurized circumstances and we're trying to make a decision, pressures can drive us in a particular direction. They can unsettle us in a certain way. And what I've learned in my own life is that when I'm under pressure, it's never a really good time to make a big decision. Anytime you're under great pressure, going through a tough circumstance, it's not a good time to make a, a, a significant decision in your life because oftentimes what you and I do when we're under pressure is we have one idea when we're under pressure, how can I get out from under this? 
And so the tendency will be that you will want to run. And so we all have this tendency to do like Jonah did, to get on a boat going the opposite direction. We want to get away from our pressures. But here's what you need to learn in life. We all need to be reminded of this. Sometimes when you're going through pressures in life, you know who allowed those pressures to come your way? God did. God allowed those pressures to come to you because He wanted to work something in your life. He wanted to accomplish something that could not be accomplished any other way. See, the only way you'll get pure gold is by putting some fire to the impure gold. And when the fire comes to the impure gold, it drives out the impurities. The only way for an oyster to produce a pearl is some sand has to irritate the oyster at some point in time. There has to be something going on. And for a lump of coal to become a diamond, there has to be heat, there has to be pressure. And sometimes God will put you into a pressurized situation and everything inside of you would say, I want to run away from this as quickly as I can. But if you do that, often you'll be running right out of the very thing that God's trying to do in your life. Remember this, when God puts you in the oven, and sometimes He does, when God puts you in the oven, He has one hand on the dial and one hand on the door, and when you're done, He'll take you out. Okay? Amen? Okay. He always has a hand on the dial and a hand on the door, and when you're done, He'll take you out. Don't you pop your way out of an oven, okay? If God's got you in an oven, just stay. I promise you this, you're not going to be in the oven forever. God will get you out, but don't run away from something that God's trying to do in your life by a circumstance that you may be going through. Don't let, don't let that play on your heartstrings and cause you to make a bad decision. So the first thing that is necessary to make good decisions, as we're looking at it today, is to make sure you do the heart work. What is the heart work? Let me take a look at the people influencing me, the motives I may have in this situation, the emotions that may be driving me or in the way of me making a good decision, and the pressures I may be feeling so I can put all those into perspective in the context of making the right choices. The second thing today is you and I need to revisit our past in a healthy and helpful way. First of all, you do the heart work, then you revisit your past. Now, it's very seldom that I encourage people to look back on their past. And let me just say something before I talk about the value of this. Let me just say and remind you that, that your past, the good news about your past is it's past. That's good news, all right? And that means that if you've brought your sins to God from your past, you've asked Him to forgive you. The wonderful thing about that is that God forgives. He forgets. He washes away and He cleanses you from your past. You get a new start with God. And so God never wants you to live under condemnation or guilt or shame about anything in your past. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know, okay? But in your past... Hopefully, as you've made mistakes in the past, and all of us do, you've actually learned some lessons along the way. And so the only good thing about your past, hopefully, would be the lessons that you've learned. And so when you get ready to make a big decision in your life right now, you want to do the heart work, and then you want to say, let me look back on my past, not to feel guilty or ashamed of anything that I've done, but let me look back and see, are there any lessons that I learned from situations similar to this in the past that would apply to my situation right now that I can learn from in this moment that will help me make a better decision? I was making a decision recently about something, and, and I was struggling with the decision. What's the right thing to do? I couldn't figure out. I was a little bit confused about what direction to take, and then I stopped for a bit, and I said, let me think about this. Is there 
ever been a time in my life that I faced something like this before? And sure enough, as I looked back, I remembered a time that I'd faced something very similar to that, that, that the situation I was facing now, and it gave me insight because I learned something from how I handled it last time that I could apply this time, and it helped me make a better decision. The same is true for you. I would encourage you, if you haven't done so, take some time in your life and create a journal of the lessons you've learned through life. See, a fool is not a person who makes a mistake. All of us make mistakes. A fool is a person who never learns from their mistakes. If you don't learn from your mistakes, if you don't apply them into your present and for your future, that's where foolishness is really a part of life. Now, the children of Israel were, were, were a horrible example of learning from their past. I'll give you an example of this in Judges in just a moment, chapter 2. Let me give you the setup for this passage. This was a time in Israel when the people of God were walking away from God. They were serving idols. They were engaged in all kind of horrible things. And so they would do all this horrible stuff and they would get themselves into trouble. And then they would cry out to God, as all of us do when we get in trouble, Oh God, help me. And then God would send a judge or God would send a deliverer. Some of the judges were folks like Gideon or Samson that would come. And so they would rise up on the scene and they would deliver Israel from the hand of their oppressors. But oftentimes what would happen is as soon as they had been delivered, the people of God would forget all that they learned. They would go back and repeat the same mess again. Take a look with me at Judges chapter 2 verses 18 and 19. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was, that, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people, what did they do? They returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. This is the classic picture of foolishness. They've been delivered. They learned no lessons from their past and continued to repeat the problems in the future. Proverbs 26, verse 11, an interesting verse. Actually, it's a little bit of a gross verse. Okay. It's a great verse to read right after breakfast, so here you go. You ready for this one? As a dog returns to its vomit, I like to say it that way, right? Vomit, okay. So a fool does what? Repeats his foolishness. Foolish people do the same foolish things over and over again. That's why you and I want to take time and go back to our past and say, what lessons can I learn that I can apply to the decision that I'm making today? And I, I would venture to say that in most decisions of your life, there'll be something that you've learned from your past that will help you in your present, making decisions for your future. The third thing that is necessary if you and I are going to have, make good, godly, right decisions, we need to seek the right advice. If you are your own counselor and your only counselor, you're in trouble, okay? You and I need advice, but we need a certain kind of advice. What was the other word that I used there? The right advice, okay? Because there are people in your world right now that will give you the wrong advice. That if you go to them for counsel, they're not going to guide you the way that you need to be guided. So you want to make sure you get the right advice. Now let's take a look at what the scripture says about the value of us living this way. Proverbs 18, verse number 2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. 
Proverbs 12, 15 says, A fool is in love with his own opinion. You ever met someone like that before? They're just in love with themselves, in love with their own opinions. How do you know them? Because the only opinion they ever talk about is their own. Okay. But wisdom means being, what's the last word there in that verse? Teachable. Here's, let me say something about this. You can't receive advice from someone unless you are teachable. I have people come to me at times, oh, pastor, would you please be my mentor? I need a mentor. I, I can't be your mentor. I might be your tour mentor, but I can't be your mentor, okay? okay. <laughs> and what I've learned over the years is that oftentimes when people say that, they really don't mean it anyway. Because I don't know how many times I've tried to help someone, giving them some good advice, and, and they, they're not teachable. They, they hear it, but they don't apply it. See, teachability means that there's a humility in you to say, I want, to, I want impartation into my life from someone that can help me to move forward. And so there's a humility that goes along with teachability. And so one of the primary things that you and I need to develop in life is the spirit of teachability. Who can teach me? Am I able to be taught? Am I willing to take advice? Because if I'm not, I'm only going to be listening to my own opinion about life. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life. See, to have this teachability to gain wisdom through advice gives you wisdom for the rest of your life. Proverbs 20, verse 18 says, Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Now, when it comes to receiving advice, as I said, it's important to have the right kind of advice. I'm going to give you some words that will describe the kind of person, the kind of characteristics that you want to find in a person that, that you're going to trust to advise you. Okay, you ready for this? The first thing is you want to make sure the person who's advising you is godly. The Bible says that we're not to follow the counsel of the ungodly. That means if you're going to go to someone for advice, you need to know that they have a relationship, a real and meaningful relationship with God. It's not phony baloney. It's not just what I do on Sunday, but there's a growing, maturing, real, rich relationship with God and hopefully a relationship with God that has already lasted for some period of time in their life. You don't want to go to someone that just uh, met Jesus last week to get advice about your life. You want to help them in their journey. It's a valuable thing, but you want to find someone that has a history of walking with God, okay? And there are people that God will place around you. If you'll ask Him for, for, it, for people that He will place in your life to help advise you along the way, ask Him to give you some godly people in your life to help guide you. That might be, for some of you young folks, that might be your mom or your dad, your grandmother, your grandfather, your uncle, your aunt. It could be someone that's right in your family. It could be a friend that is at work who's a godly person. But begin to say, God, show me someone in my life who I can trust to be godly. I know that by the way they live their life, that they, are re they have a real meaningful relationship with you. The second word that you want to write down, these are not on your notes, but I would encourage you to write them down. Make sure they are mature, okay? Some folks can be godly as they love God, have a relationship with God, but they haven't developed in the realms of maturity, okay? Maturity means that they're settled, they're stable, there's something about their life that says, you know what, they just do life right. They, they seem to have life together. Not, not perfect, not everything's together, but there's a maturity to their life. And maturity is never about age. Maturity is about the capacity to handle responsibility, 
That's what maturity is. I've met some very mature 21-year-olds. How about you, okay? And I've met some very immature 70-year-olds, okay? And so it's not a matter of your age. It's a matter of your capacity or your willingness to accept and handle responsibility. So you're looking for someone who is a responsible person, stable and responsible. The third thing that is essential, if you're going to get good advice from someone, make sure they have experience in the area where you need advice, okay? Successful experience. If you're dealing with a decision about your finances and you're trying to get out of debt, you're trying to determine, how do I get out of debt? What do I do? You need someone that's godly. You need someone that's mature. But you also need someone that understands and has processed the the whole dimension of finances. You're not going to get that wisdom from someone that's that's gone bankrupt 20 times, right? You want someone that has experience in that area that can help you and give you the wisdom that you need. That means that you're going to need multiple advisors in your life. Not just one advisor, but multiple advisors and multiple dimensions of experience that will help you in your journey. And then the last thing, and this is so very important, you want to find someone to advise you that actually loves you. Amen. That they care about you. That they're concerned about what happens to your future. That don't go to your haters for advice, okay? They have no vested interest in helping you at all. What you want to do is find that person that loves you, that cares about you. That's why, young folks, the best place to find advice starts with your own parents because nobody's going to love you like they love you. Finding someone in the family that loves you, finding people in your church family that love and care about you. But these are the, these are the criteria that you need. Is this person godly? Is this person mature? Does this person have experience in the area that I may be struggling with or trying to make a decision about? Does this person really love and care about me and is concerned about me succeeding in my life and journey? And so once you answer those questions, then you're able to filter through and determine, is this a person that is the right advisor for my life? But we must understand to make good decisions, you've got to do your heart work. What's pulling on the strings of my heart? You've got to look pat to your past and say, what lessons do I need to learn from my past? Then you say, who do I go to to get some advice about this particular decision that I make? I need to be teachable, but to be teachable, I need to find the right person. I need to find the people that are godly and mature and have experience and that really do love me. And I I tell you this, if you'll ask God to give you some of these kind of folks in your life, you'll open up yourself to it. God will bring these kind of people into your life. Amen? One last point I want to bring you to today. Last thing. I'm going to change colors here, right? Because this last point deserves a color of its own. You need to be patient. I told you it deserved a color of its own, didn't it, okay? You, just, you need to be patient in the process. Hurried decisions are usually bad decisions. Let me just let that sit there for a moment. Hurried decisions are usually bad decisions. Waiting especially waiting on God, is always worth it. Always worth it. And waiting time when you're waiting on God for an answer is never wasted time. Okay. Amen? As I think about my own life, I think about decisions that I've made impulsively, rashly, in the moment, 
and decisions I've been willing to wait on over time. And I will tell you this from my own experience. I have rarely regretted a decision I took my time to make. Rarely. Occasionally, but rarely. I have frequently regretted decisions I made too quickly. Would any of you agree with me on that, right? Oftentimes in today's marketplace, you'll go in to buy a particular item and the salesperson will say something like this to you. You know what? This is a great deal for you, but this deal is only for today. You need to buy it today. If you don't buy it today, the deal is going to be gone. 20% off today may not be here tomorrow. In fact, the price may go up tomorrow, but you need to make a decision when today. What's going on there in that situation? They're playing on something that all of us have a tendency toward, and that is impulsiveness. Got to have it. Got to have it now. And we live in this world that is very oriented to having to have what we want now. And when it comes to decision, decisions, we often want to impulsively make a decision. Now, let me say this. If God has clearly shown you something, then do it now. Amen? Salvation, the time for it is now. Don't wait to get saved. Amen? You don't have to sit around for six months thinking about whether you want to get saved or not. You know God says get saved. You do it now. If God very clearly says in His Word something to you that's addressing an issue in your life, don't wait around till later. Do it now. So when you know the thing is right to do, do it now. So there are certain things you ought to do now, but when it comes to making major decisions in your life, you want to give it some time. Why? Because I've learned over my life experience is that it, it takes time to make a good decision because what happens in the midst of time is that God clarifies his direction through time. Okay. He makes it clear for you. Okay. Things clear up. You begin to see things you didn't see before. If you give it just a little bit of time, you'll recognize, oh yeah, I'm glad I waited because now I see this. I didn't see it before. It's true in relationships. When you're thinking about developing a potential marital relationship, take some time. Okay. Don't run to Las Vegas next week. Okay. Take some time. Why? Because over time you get to know the person. You learn something. Now when the time is right, don't wait for 10 years for Pete's sake. All the ladies said amen. All right, okay. At some point in time, go to the jewelry store and buy a ring. Amen, okay. At some point in time, do what you need to do. Make the commitment that you need to make. I'm not saying that you don't ultimately make a commitment, but there's this process that you use where there's a patience in it because urgency is not always a good thing. Notice Proverbs. We're reading a number of passages from Proverbs because Proverbs is the book of wisdom. A little example for a little encouragement for you. I would encourage you to read a chapter in the book of Proverbs every day. Find a good contemporary translation like the New Living Translation and read a, a, a chapter in Proverbs every day. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, which means that generally on the 31 days of the month that you have months of 31 days, you can read through the entire book of Proverbs uh, in every month. So about 12 times a year, you'll go through the book of wisdom as a part of your reading. It'll give you great insight. But notice what the scripture says in Proverbs 19, verse 2. Enthusiasm or zeal without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Your mama told you that, right? The plans of the diligent, Proverbs 21, 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Proverbs 29 verse 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste, makes decisions in haste, makes commitments in haste? Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a 
fool than for them. So let's review where we've been today so far. When it comes to making decisions, what is the first thing that you need to do that we've talked about today? Focus on your heart. What's going on in my heart before I make this decision, before I get anywhere down the road? What's going on in me? What people are influencing my heart? Are they the right people? What motives do I have going on? Are there something in me that's driving me toward this? What's my why? Why do I want to do this or not do it? And then how about my emotions? Do I have any, any things that are hanging around in my emotions, the fears or hurts or things that could affect me in this decision? Am I trying to run away from some pressure? What's going on in my heart? And then I move from there. Okay, what have I learned from my past? Okay, is there anything in my past that gives me guidance for what I'm dealing with right now? And then once I learn the lessons I've gained from the past, are there any people that I can look to that can help me make this decision, give me guidance and give me advice? And I'm going to make sure I have people that are godly and mature and have the right experience and who love me. And then as it all wraps up, I'm going to be patient in the process and give time, give time the opportunity, God the opportunity to use time. Because when it comes to decision making, generally speaking, time is not your enemy. Time is your friend. Would you bow your head together as we pray today? Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're grateful for the opportunity we've had to study it. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you'll take this message and apply it deeply in our hearts. And Lord, help us to have wisdom to make better decisions with our life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God. And I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. 
We pray that this message was a blessing to you.